This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tour back again with you guys after what was a pretty dire performance yesterday uh, against PSV. Uh, I forgot the feeling of what it's like to lose, which in in some ways I guess is a blessing. But uh, yeah, a frustrating one. Arsenal losing 2-0 to PSV. You've joined us this morning at 8am as always for the Raw Reaction Show in which we're going to discuss yesterday's game, get some of your thoughts and feelings and kind of discuss where we kind of go from here and what this ultimately means for the next couple of weeks or so, because it certainly does have a bearing on the next couple of weeks. This result does absolutely. Uh, Without further ado, though, please do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you are new around here. Uh, Slight tweak that will be happening Sunday here in the UK. The clocks go, I want to say, forwards? One of forwards or backwards. It really matters which way it is. But basically, whatever way it is, I think what it means is that the 8 a.m. show, it'll actually be 9 a.m. here in the UK. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. <laughs> I'm going to Google it for you because I feel like I'm getting this completely wrong now. I had it really fixed in my head how it works, and now I am absolutely. So on Sunday, the 30th of October, what we have is we have daylight savings. So I think the clocks are in a position where ultimately we they go back. Everyone the chat box is telling me it goes back so the 8 a.m what 8 a.m is will then be 7 a.m so for everybody else in the world it would still be the same time but we in the uk because of some reason it goes back so it's going to get darker faster so i'll be doing the show at what i think is 8 a.m but actually it'll be an extra hour if that makes sense for you guys so it's it's weird. Uh, basically, just keep your eyes peeled in the mornings if you don't live in the UK to your clocks and it will change. Uh, basically, I think it's going to be an hour um, extra for you guys to have to wait for the show because what is eight, what is well, it's 8 a.m. right now on Sunday, this will actually be 7 a.m. So there won't be a show. So you'll have to wait an extra hour in the mornings if you're elsewhere in the world that isn't affected by daylight savings for the 8am show. I didn't want this to be a whole minute section, 
But it's been a whole minute and more of me explaining this, so I'm going to rapidly move forwards. Anyway, our first story of the day, and I didn't want to start with the game because this, frankly, is far more important than any kind of football. Um, but Pablo Marie, unfortunately, was involved in an incident yesterday in Italy in which he was uh, a victim of a stabbing. Uh, six people, I believe, were involved in this incident, one of which has very sadly passed away. Uh, the understanding is was that Pablo Marie was stabbed in the back and is recovering in hospital at this moment in time. Now, there were reports that it wasn't uh, said to be life-threatening injuries, but we can you can never be too careful. Things change very quickly. And we hope that Marie uh, goes through a very quick and rapid recovery from what is a really terrible, terrible situation. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd suggest doing some reading around the topic if you want to learn some more. There's plenty of reports out there this morning already. Um, but it's absolutely the most important thing on my mind regarding anything to do with Arsenal right now. Uh, is hoping that Pablo Marie recovers very, very swiftly and quickly. And our thoughts are certainly with you, mate. So stay uh, stay strong and get well soon. Uh, you can uh, still, uh, the latest competition to win a signed Martin Odegaard and signed Emile Smith-Rowe shirt is, is up. It ends on Wednesday the 2nd. Uh, tickets are £6.45. There are 100, and I believe I checked on the website this morning, 149 available for sure. 35 so far have been sold. Uh, so plenty of opportunities to win. There can only be one winner in this competition. So get involved. Link in the description as always. So let's do it. Let's talk about yesterday's game. Um, I think for me, there is there was something really missing about yesterday's performance. It was kind of like a mental block, uh, a real mental block in the game. It felt as though one of those weird performances, like, you know that you don't have to win to get what we need. And so we didn't play to win the game. It was really strange. It wasn't the same Arsenal performances we've seen, even in recent games. That You think back to the first 30 minutes against Southampton where we were absolutely on it. There was none of that intensity. You think back to the first half against um, Leeds United, there was none of that intensity. There just, for me, wasn't that same verve about Arsenal. There was, I think, in the first five minutes, potentially. But beyond those first five minutes... <laughs> Um, we never really got ourselves into the game. And then PSV really began to get confidence. They had two goals ruled out for offside and they just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And eventually, uh, unfortunately, we buckled. Now, I think the squad depth is obviously being highlighted in these games. We know that we are without some very... Um, key, I think key players in Smith-Rowe and Elneny and Zinchenko in particular, those three... Uh, really, when they're not there, do kind of highlight what we need uh, to still have in the squad. Without our our best fullback, without our second best central midfielder to play behind Thomas Partey, and we're without our well, our fourth choice attacking player behind Saka, Jesus, and Martinelli, which is Emil Smith Rowe. And when you don't have those three, and you're bringing in other players to fill those gaps, those really start to show. And I think that what we need to think about, obviously, is when we look to January, that we are absolutely making the best use possible of that January transfer window. We need to make sure that we reinforce. We need to make sure that we bring in quality. And we absolutely need to make sure that we are not leaving ourselves short. Because if we do, then anything could happen towards the end of the season. Now, everyone, And this is why I wanted to temper expectations around blooming title talk so quickly. Because that's not where Arsenal are as a squad. They're not 
a side that I feel can compete for a title yet. We need to do some serious work in strengthening the foundations and strengthening the overall quality. And if we aren't going to do that in January, then, you know, don't just forget <laughs> seeing where we are in comparison to Man City, but we're going to have to start seriously looking over our shoulder because there are going to be teams that are well, better well-equipped to deal with that, such as Chelsea, to try and come up and take that place from us. So we need to make sure that we strengthen in January because it's going to be a clear issue if we don't. Fabio Vieira was used on the right-hand side. Now, when we signed Fabio Vieira, one of the things that was said about him was his versatility, was the fact he can play in the wide positions, can play as an eight, can play as a 10, could even play as a false nine if you wanted him to. Now, I don't disagree that I think he can play those roles and I think he can play in a wide area. And he showed yesterday in the first half in particular that he can play there. But just because somebody can play there doesn't necessarily mean that I am pleased with the performance or how they performed in that area. I think it was absolutely clear what we lacked with Fabio Vieira on the right in comparison to when we have Bukayo Saka starting there. Because when you have Bukayo Saka starting there, Odegaard's got an outlet that he can play the ball to, he can beat a man, can run in behind and be direct. Now, Fabio is basically like playing Martin Odegaard's on the right-hand side. He is a little bit more direct than Odegaard's and he's not as confident yet because he's only just joined. But every single time Odegaard played the ball to Vieira, there wasn't a sense that he was going to try and take someone on. There wasn't a sense that he would spin someone and get him behind and start playing those balls uh, into the box. It was more that it felt like Odegaard was passing to a less good clone of himself on the right-hand side that would then try and cut in and ping the ball into the box or run across the uh, the 18-yard area uh, trying to find a pass. But there was just there's there's clearly a, a stylistic drop when we use Fabio on that right-hand side compared to when we have a more natural winger in uh, Bakaya Saka compared to him. So unfortunately, whilst that was an experimental thing to use Vieira in that position, we need to make sure that, you know, that he's stylistically trying to offer what Saka does, which is difficult because he isn't Saka. Uh, and maybe we have to change our, our way we play if we use Vieira on the right and have someone potentially helping him more so from a fullback position. I think that what we also suffered from by having Fabio on the right-hand side is that we had Tommy Asu behind him. Now, Tommy Asu, whilst I think, and I agree with Martin Keown in the fact that he's probably our best one-on-one defender, Tommy Asu, along with Saliba, I think that in terms of what Tommy Asu offers going forwards, and yes, he did get an assist in the last Europa League game at home to PSV, but he typically doesn't offer too much in terms of overlaps and support. Now, if you think back to last season, you had Smith Rowe playing on the left and Tierney playing behind him. That, that kind of combination really worked because you had Tierney overlapping Smith Rowe and Smith Rowe's style to cut in a little bit like Fabio does on the right-hand side led to plenty of triangles and overlaps and passing combinations. Now, if you play Tommy Asu behind Fabio Vieira on the right-hand side, I think we really lack any kind of offence on that right-hand side. Um so, yeah, uh, I, I was really worried about seeing Fabio Vieira there without that support. And I think that it kind of highlights when White isn't playing what we do lack from our right-hand side, especially when uh, Bukayo Saka isn't there either. Now, Martinelli, I think, had his worst game in an Arsenal shirt. I don't think that's hyperbolic. I don't think that's over the top or exaggerative. I think it was his worst game in an Arsenal shirt. By, by some distance, and that's a credit to whatever else he's been doing since he's been at Arsenal. But I genuinely thought it was probably the worst game I've seen Martinelli play. 
wasteful on the ball, um, poor crossing. Uh, his corner when he had one was went over the heads of, of everybody or caught by the arms uh, of Benitez. He got kind of wound up in early in the second half. And you can see in that image there a moment where he got involved in a little scuffle that he didn't need to. He was clearly getting frustrated by his own performance as well. Um, and that, for me, is it's, it's not a worry for the long term, but it is one of those like where we've got this young team and if things aren't going our way, the experience, the level-headedness maybe isn't there in the same way that it is for your Liverpools of this world when they've got more experienced wide players. Martinelli in this moment, I think, had a poor game and really and it affected his mental state during the pit, during the match. And it certainly affected it the, the longer it went on, which is why I was surprised, actually, that he was brought off. He wasn't brought off instead of Erdegaard. You know, I would have probably taken off Erdegaard uh, for Bukayo. Uh, I probably would have taken Martinelli off for Bukayo Saka. Kept Fabio on the right-hand side for the moment and just used Saka on the left or switched them over. Um, I would have taken Martinelli off earlier. I know that Erdegaard was taken off probably because of fitness for Sunday. But I think from a tactical point of view, if we didn't have to have that in the back of our minds, I would have taken Martinelli off a lot earlier because he was really struggling and not offering us too much at all. Hopefully that's significant changes on Sunday. Eddie and Ketia um, missed a massive chance um, on, on Sunday against Southampton and went to this game what I thought would be his most motivated performance. I thought this would be the time in which Eddie and Ketia showed playing with a plenty of the starters as there were on the field to be a player that could offer us something when Jesus isn't there. And he blew it, massively, massively blew it. And also the argument of he's not starting regularly enough, when you really think about it, it doesn't work. The reason why the argument of he's not starting regularly enough doesn't work is because he started all five Europa League games. And that's one game a week, besides the one that was obviously postponed. We've still had effectively one game a week. And because of that, the argument of he's not starting regularly enough isn't necessarily there anymore because he is starting once a week in the Europa League against teams that he should be getting better opportunities. He scored two goals and one assist in those four in those five games, which, you know, isn't a terrible record. But the performances overall have not shown to us that Eddie, if Jesus was to be out for a seriously longer period of time, that he would be able to come in and cover. And that's, again, when we come back to this January transfer window discussion. In my opinion, the most important signing that Arsenal can make is the wide forward that has the ability to play in the middle. It has to be the Diogo Jota. It has to be that style of player for me. I don't, I'm not necessarily looking for Arsenal to go out and sign a striker. I don't think, that's, I don't think that is the right one for me. I think Arsenal need to go out and sign a player of versatility that is able to play across the front three to give Saka and Martinelli and Jesus some quality backup. Now, on the other team was Cody Gakpo, who had a fantastic game and I think, you know, played a wide position where he easily could have been playing striker. And I think that if we were to go out and say sign someone like Cody Gakpo, it would significantly help the way in which we're dealing with this depth issue especially in the forward line it has to be someone like that in my view to do that it's either him or someone like Rafael Leal but it's going to be very 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 expensive to try and get him to him in and it's going to cost us money to find that player it's going to cost us serious money I don't want us to drop 60 million on just a single striker I want us to drop money on a player that can really really push that forward line now I look at Spurs who signed Richarlison I wasn't particularly impressed by that deal 
Because I don't think, for me, Richarlison is, is close to the level of Kane, is close to the level of Son, or close to the level of Kulusevsky. I think they spent a lot of money on a player that has a significant quality gap between those two players, those three players in all three positions. For me, I want to see Arsenal drop money if it is that kind of calibre on a player that's far better than Richarlison and is closer to what we can find in terms of what we already have in our front three. That's what I want to see us do. Doing that in January is tough. Very, very tough indeed. And so that's why for me, if I was to, if I was a better man, I'm not exactly confident that Arsenal are going to go and be able to sign a top, top player that can offer competition to all front three positions in that winter window. But it is so paramount that we do that. The other position that we need to strengthen, of course, is central midfield because Sambi Lokonga, once again, playing in out of position. And we have to keep saying this to be fair and be objective. But Lokonga playing as a six, it's not working for him. It doesn't work in the same way that I think it would work if he was playing where Granite Xhaka was. We're without Elneny, and that's proven to be a problem in this first half of the season. It's really hit us, that issue, I think. And if Elneny comes back in January, great. But I still want to see us sign someone in midfield because we need to make sure that we've got relevant cover and competition for Thomas Partey when he is or isn't there. Um, so there. Uh, and it's not about just saying it as it is because I'm not having abusive players in the chat box. So, no. Saying it as it is, is this BS excuse for freedom of speech, which does not give you freedom from scrutiny. So anyone abusing players in the chat box, you can go do one for all I care. Uh, Zurich's win uh, in midweek uh, has really made things a little bit trickier for us. Uh, for me, FC Zurich are a side that are, if you look at the, the Swiss league, pretty darn terrible. You know, the change of um, the change of manager there, the change of players there really undermined their whole season. And yet somehow they still managed to beat Buda Glimt and give themselves a chance of getting into the UEFA Conference League. That win over um, Buda Glimt, what it meant is that PSV automatically qualify along with us for the round of at least 32 and the knockout stages of the Europa League. But what it also means is Zurich have something to play for now. Zurich have something to play for when they come to the Emirates. So there is a motivation there. For Buda Glimt, the same exists. They know that they've got to try and get a result against PSV to hopefully stay in that position. But what's problematic for me is this Zurich win gives them that motivation to come to the Emirates. So we can't rotate in the same way that we could have done had this game meant nothing. Even potentially if Buda Glimt had won and, you know, knocked Zurich out of the competition entirely. Although there is something to be said about a team that have nothing to play for. We've also been burned by Newcastle that literally had that at the end of last season. And it cost us big time. So maybe there is a both sides of the coin, if you like. So I think for me, we need to go into that game with a relatively strongish side because I really need that game to be avoided, those two games in the round of 32 to be avoided. Go Start the game stronger, probably with a similar team that started last night. And then take players off. You know, if we are significantly up, if we're winning by a few goals in the first half, start strong, take off. Don't start start weak and add quality. I think that's the way we best deal with this game on next Thursday is we start stronger and we take players off and rest them ahead of Chelsea. That's how I would deal uh, with the situation. So it's a shame that it, it went the way that it did, but it did go the way that it did. And there's nothing more that we can really do about that. But there is something that you can do about your internet security when you're abroad, and that's to use NordVPN. Uh, if you are indeed abroad, perhaps you were in Eindhoven yesterday watching the game, or maybe you couldn't get to the stadium and needed to watch the game, 
and you wanted to watch it on your regular broadcasting app, then what you would have needed to do is head over to NordVPN, change your geolocation to the UK, and your broadcasting apps would work as if you were in the UK. Some fantastic abilities that this service has. It keeps you safe and secure online. And with the sponsorship of the Guna Talk, you can get a fantastic uh, discount on your product as well. All you need to do is go to nordvpn.com slash Guna uh, to get four months free and a massive discount off your subscription. And if you don't like the service, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. If you don't like it, you get your money back. It's free. It's as easy as that. All the details are in the link in the description. Go and check it out and make sure that you stay safe and secure online. Uh, I will see you just after this quick break, and we'll be tackling plenty of your questions. Let's do it. Right, let's jump into the chat box and get some thoughts and feelings. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting better at it, aren't I, Jonathan? <laughs> it's, not, it's not too bad. Uh, James says, uh, if we bounce back, then this was still a good game to lose if you had to pick one. Absolutely. You know, there, there is no debate in that if we bounce back, if we get a result that we need to against Zurich, we avoid defeat in that game, all good. Uh, if we're able to beat Forest on Sunday and then have a good game against Chelsea, all good. It will be forgotten about. It won't be forgotten about, I think, in terms of squad depth. I think it's certainly something that we need to learn from in that respect. But I think it's absolutely a good game for us to lose if it doesn't matter. It doesn't impact us going forwards. Uh, Gautam says, do you also feel Jesus post-Liverpool, uh, post his Liverpool knock and Erdegaard's post-injury return have been struggling to control games? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think Arsenal have still controlled. I think we controlled the Southampton game still significantly. I mean, Southampton had what that one was it one or two shots? I think throughout the entire game, one of them unfortunately was a goal. We controlled that game well. Uh, the Leeds game, whilst we weren't able to control it from an offensive sense, we certainly controlled it defensively, and we had a great defensive performance that got us those three points. I think Erdegaard has been a player that is worthy of far more praise than he gets. Still find him overly criticised. I gave I gave him a 5 or 6 out of 10 before he came. I think I dropped it to a 5 after he was substituted early in the second half. But I saw people criticising Odegaard yesterday, and I, I don't really get why, because I found his passing was, was direct. I found his passing was strong. I think he lost the ball in one occasion, and it's those moments where one, one like turnover of possession just clouds the judgment of an entire performance. It's it's not like the Martinelli performance yesterday where Martinelli really could not do anything right during the entire game. And Gedi and Ketty are kind of similar. Both, I gave them both two out of 10 performances. But again, I find it odd when Odegaard gets into these situations whereby he finds himself getting overly criticised for a performance which he was otherwise solid and controlled play well and pushed the ball forwards and didn't have Bakaya Saka to his right, which is a frustration and something that I think that really drops his performance when he's not there. Uh, Lynn says, on Sunday, I would like to see Jesus on the wing and Martinelli through the middle. I, I, I wouldn't personally, Lynn. I'd go with our strongest team. And for me, that's Saka, Jesus, Martinelli front three. Uh, I don't think we need to change things too much in that regard. Uh, let's go to uh, Iron says, then why did we not go for another player covering for Saka? Uh, I think because of the whole midfield injury to El Nenny, that meant that the club pivoted towards the end of the window to focus on trying to find a midfielder. And they bid for Douglas Louise and they couldn't get him. And ultimately, we missed out on a wide player in, in that 
in that summer window, uh, which is a frustration because, and I'm critical of it, we absolutely should have done. I'm telling you the reason why we didn't go for a, a wide player. That's not necessarily mean that I can't criticise why we didn't still get a wide player. I definitely think that we should have done. Um, TJR says, just joined now. How much Nketiah slander has there been? Slander? I don't think slander is fair, but I certainly think criticism is, I think, is another missed opportunity as we've talked about already. Uh, Matt says, hey, Tom, just letting you know, the Independent reported 20 minutes ago that Pablo Marie will undergo surgery after being stabbed in the Milan supermarket attack. Only says it's some sort of back surgery. Okay, that's not uh, unsurprising, but hopefully that means that it's going to stabilise him. And as we said at the start of the show, thoughts are certainly with Pablo during what is a horrific time for him and his family. Uh, Jashar says, Tom, what is the evidence that Gakpo can play the central role? Um, the evidence is that he has played there, <laughs> uh, has played there on a number of occasions. If you look back over the last couple of seasons, go on transfer march, you can find his positioning over those years. He can play in that central role and has done. Uh, in fact, if I go over to transfer march right now and just get up the number of times he's played in a centre forward position. So positionally, if we go to statistics and then we go to all. Uh, so this fall, he's already he's played at centre forward in one game uh this season but if we go to overall balance which shows you how many games he's played at center forward he's played 19 games at center forward scoring eight goals thus far two assists as well he's played on the right 20 times uh, hasn't been that successful in that role only one goal and four assists when playing on the right hand side but he's mainly played on the left 72 goals 49 assists 158 appearances Mad statistics, uh, but I do get the sense he's kind of a wide player that can play in the middle, and that is is a real asset to a team if you can bring someone in like that. Uh, Bradley says, "Do you believe that Enketia is seriously weak when given the ball to his feet? It always comes back off him. He ended up back in his own half. His touch isn't good enough, and when we talk about the touch of a player, that sometimes separate a good player." from a great player is your first touch. How you take the ball into feet, how you react to it, your first decision after you've received the ball. Can you move with the ball? Can you touch the ball into path? Can you touch it into a run? Can you play at one touch back to another player or play into play between players and triangles? All of those things are measurements of how good a player's technical ability is. And I think that when it comes down to Nketiah, it's just nowhere near the same level of Jesus. You know, Jesus's technical ability, his first touch, his passing, his dribbling, his close control, decision-making, all of these attributes are top, top tier. He needs to work on his finishing. All of his technical attributes of Jesus are on another plane to what Nketiah's are. And that, I think, is going to hold Nketiah back for the course of his career, unless he can improve it. Um Dan says, hi, Tom. Why do you think Arsenal talk of fatigue when it's just October? Because the number of games that are played every season. You know, the start of a season isn't a sudden reset. It's not your, your batteries being recharged to full. A football player's batteries are barely ever recharged to full at the start of a season because they've just played 70 odd games or so the season prior. So I think fatigue comes from not just a single season. People, I think, forget other seasons have happened and they, the, the batteries have gone up to full, they haven't. You know, footballers in this day and age just aren't. And with the number of games that they have to play, fatigue can set in very, very quickly indeed. Uh, Paul says, Tom, have you seen the stats for last night? Do they match your perception of the game? My view, first half, okay, but second half was a car crash. Check the stats, they may surprise you. Let's have a quick check of those to do your, your question. Justice, Paul, um, I imagine that we had a fair few shots because I know that Nketiah did in the first half. It's a quick check. Stats. Arsenal had 15 shots, three on target. PSV just had eight shots, five on target. Arsenal had 70% possession. 
it's the thing is, is like we didn't do much with that possession. We we didn't really do much with it um, when we had it. And that was our issue is whilst we controlled the ball plenty, we didn't do enough when we had it. And PSV were kind of happy to just hit us on the break. They did a better job of what Spurs have done against us so far this season and played the game exactly how they wanted to. The shots that we had were pretty tame. There weren't any that you would say really tested Benitez. I know he was tested a little bit by Nketi with that shot in the first half that went just to the top right of the goal. But it wasn't... The stats, I don't think, are representative. And that's why statistics in a singular fashion in one game aren't the best representation. That's why we look you know, at stats across a whole season or several seasons in terms of players when we break them down because they give you a much more accurate representation. It's a weird one, but the stats certainly don't show the true story of this game. Steve says, when we went 2-0 down, Mikelad sub subbed off holding for Jesus. It left our defence in tatters. White and Gabriel came on. Do you feel for Mikelad has not learned from Old Trafford? Um, I think the substitutions the first time around were a bit odd. <laughs> um, I think there was a, a bit of panic about them. It's clearly a weakness, I think, in his management is that when Arsenal are potentially losing a game, uh, that the changes that we make need to be better balanced. Like we should have brought, we should have kept the defensive shape. Holding, by the way, was poor. Like Holding had his, one of his worst Arsenal games, defensively flawed, turned inside out. Distribution was, was pretty poor. I thought it was one of Holding's worst performances. So he needed to come off. But yeah, uh, Gabriel and White, I think, needed to come on sooner. I just think from a tactical point of view, the right-back situation really harmed us with Fiera. I think our right side was really lacking because we didn't have Saka, we didn't have White. And it does kind of bleed into this idea that Arsenal might need a player that's going to offer us more going forwards. Is that going to be someone like Brooke Norton Cuffey coming through? Who knows? White is certainly improving in what he can do going forwards, but he's still not an orthodox right-back. He's still going to offer you the top level of what a brilliant right-back in an offensive sense can. So there's always going to be this lingering feeling around the right-back role whilst we play this style, whether we have enough to support the right winger. Fabio Vieira certainly did not have that support when he was playing on the right in the first half. Um, Milin says, what is good defense? What is a good defensive performance? I recall Mourinho's Chelsea and his Inter just completely starving opponents at the front line. A good defensive performance can be split into different things. You know, we can do what we did against um, Leeds, which is you get a bit lucky, but you defend your box brilliantly, you block shots, you prevent them from getting shots on target. Uh, when crosses come into the box, you clear them. That's a strong defensive performance. But you could also argue that a strong defensive performance also comes from pressing, taking the ball high up the field, defending from the front, turning over possession as far into the uh, opponent's defensive third as possible. There is multiple ways you can have a good defensive performance whilst at the same time controlling a game and being dominant in your possessive sense. Um, Charlie says, the yellow card question we discussed, they reset after game week 19. There you go. Uh, insight on that one. And Mohamed says, are we going to talk about Arteta's game management? We just did. I think it's an area of his game that he needs to improve when we're in a losing position about how he changes the game. That needs to drastically improve. Uh, Rail says, hi, Tom, do you think our tactics of coming out of the blocks full tilt with little squad backup is now having a fatigue effect? Do we need to change our approach to how the squad is playing? It's, it's tough to say yes, because we've started so well with this season. We've started with a lot of games with high intensity, and that's, able, that's been able to get us into positions of, in some cases, like Southampton, uh, like Leicester, like Liverpool, winning games early on. 
and it's given us a good platform to build onto the rest of the game. We need to manage games better throughout the whole fixture. I think that's something that we need to work on. And if we can see, we need to work on what our plan B, plan C, plan Ds are. We need these contingencies and they're not always obvious that we have them when we are not in these necessarily kind of best positions. Oh, we've got a little troll that's, you know, I always appreciate tro about trolls, right? In the chat box is that some of their time of their life has gone to me. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for spending some of your time. But you only get one life, remember, and some of your time has gone to me. I'm very appreciative of that. Uh, Martin says, Tom, just for clarity, our DST ends on Sunday. Uh, some Southern Hemisphere uh, daylight savings, this is. Countries start their daylight savings. So a two-hour change from the UK, one hour back and one hour forwards. Wow. Okay. So all I would say is that the show is always going to be at 8 a.m. UK time. So just check the clocks on Sunday when daylight savings comes into effect and when, of course, you have your situation as well. Make sure that you're in a situation where you know when the, the show is going to be. It's always going to be at 8 a.m. UK time. So there you go. Um, let's go to, uh, let's go to, <laughs> don't worry guys, I've sorted it. The problem is when I read questions, like, uh, when I read questions, they're further up the chat. So I have to then scroll down. And by the time I get to the people that are spending some of their life on me, uh, it's difficult <laughs> because it's already been a while. Envy asks says, Tom, do you think this 50 million is even true or is it another PR masterclass and still not enough? You know, I I don't know how much money Arsenal have to spend in January. I doubt many people have um, much. Uh, I, I doubt many people have any idea about how much Arsenal will have to spend in January. It is going to depend a lot on what um, on what happens, like and how much money there is available, how much we sell if we do sell in January. All of this needs to come into the impact. So I'd be very surprised if anybody, anybody at all, can be able to do that. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, let's go to Jashar says, Tom, you do a great job of managing the live chat, but do you need some mods? Uh, potentially, potentially we need some mods in the chat. Uh, we could potentially do that. I'm a bit of a control freak though. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so it's always been difficult to find, uh, someone who can mod the chat box, but, uh, maybe it's something that we can discuss. Uh, let's go to, uh, Mohammed. He says, hi, Tom. Uh, our thin squad is stretched. We are paying the price of not signing wingers and a midfielder. We must rectify that in January and we must hang on till the World Cup. January, as I've already mentioned, is going to be absolutely key. Like, we have to make sure that we're in a position where we are able to confidently tackle what is remaining of the season. If we aren't able to do that, then we are going to shoot ourselves in the foot. The World Cup, I think, could potentially become um, a bit more of a a blessing rather than a curse because it's going to allow us to maybe reset. But some players are going to go off to the World Cup and play every single week. And that that's a bit of an issue. You know, that is a bit of a problem. Uh, if someone's going to go off and play every single week and every single few days, they're not exactly going to come back after the World Cup rested. It might be the break that Arsenal needs, but it might not be the break that some of their players need. That's, that is the problem. Anyway, uh, we've been going for a little bit longer than we usually do this morning, so we are going to wrap things up there. Thank you, everybody. Let's drop their uh, comments into the chat box. Please make sure you drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're new around here. Uh, and turn those notifications on, of course, so you never 
miss a show. Uh, have a fantastic Friday. If you've made it to the weekend, people, it's here. Let's hope that on Sunday, Arsenal can go and do the business. And of course, uh, I'll be there at the Emirates on Sunday as well, uh, covering the game. First Premier League game I'm covering from the Emirates, which is going to be certainly improved upon things. Uh, oh, says, I demand you read my comments. I've read it. There you go. Happy days. <laughs> anyway, thank you for so much tuning in. That's the wrong order of words in a sentence, but you know what I meant. Uh, I'll see you uh, probably this afternoon, actually. We've got the preview show for the Nottingham Forest game at 6pm UK time. So tune in for that. Have a fantastic day. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.